We welcome you to the Truth Simply Put, our broadcast and teaching series at the Basilea Commission. You're about to receive God's unadulterated word, brought to you by Pastor Alexander Victor. Challenging, uplifting, and provoking you to new dimensions in your kingdom walk. And now, today's message. We're looking at the ministry of Jesus in our imitate series. Today is part, what now, 19? The ministry of Jesus and the apostles is what we are considering now in our imitate journey. We imitate the ministry of Jesus. Now, in this house, we know that the word ministry is from the word diakonir, which means service. Diakonir has derivative, so diakonos is somebody who serves. It's from diakonos that you get the word deacon. Okay? And then diakonen, they all derive from the word diakonia or diakonia. D-I-A-K-O-N-I-A, diakonia, which means to serve or to administer something. So essentially, simply put, a minister is one who serves. Are we here? Are you alert? A minister is one who serves, simply. One who serves. And I added, a minister is one who serves gracefully. Or one who serves with grace. Make sense? Minister is one who serves with grace. It's not just doing what you're doing. It's doing it gracefully. That can imply that it is the grace with which you serve that actually makes you a minister. Not the act of service. It is not the act of service that makes it ministry as much as it is the grace behind the act. What makes it ministry is that you did it with grace. Does that make sense? Now, if you look at it from this definition, it would then imply that a lot of what we do in church doesn't fall inside the remit of ministry. We're just really busy, but doing nothing. And I've asked about this phrase a lot of times. If anybody has ever thought of the phrase busy doing nothing. Busy doing nothing does not imply you're not doing anything. It actually implies that you're doing so much, but the sum total of what you're doing amounts to nothing. You're busy, but equals to nothing. And that's the state of the church. We're so busy doing nothing. Because what we're doing is not grace-driven. It's obligation-driven. It's performance-driven. Your faith or your efficacy is measured by how much you do. Not necessarily how much you grow. Talk to me now. The health of a church is measured by how many cars are parked outside. How many people are inside. How much they are giving. When we read the books. Say, ah, we are a healthy church. By what parameter? What makes it ministry, what makes it service, as is recognized of God, is that it is done gracefully. In other words, it is done with grace in view. Are you hearing me? And Jesus, of course, as we know, he goes without saying, is our ultimate ministry example. And there will be very, very little error, if any at all, if we just looked at the way Jesus did ministry and do. Because he's the example. 
you know, someday, 10 years down the road, 15 years down the road, people will play this series back as a classic. This teaching. They'll go back and look for it and download it and play as a classic. Looking for somebody to convert it from MP3 to the technology of that day. Because ultimately, we will start to gravitate back towards the basics. We will start. We will start to depart from what fathers taught us. And go back to what the word actually teaches. Because there's no reason for confusion in doctrine if we follow the carefully, clearly laid out pattern. There's no reason. No reason for confusion. Jesus is the ultimate ministry example. He's the ultimate ministry pattern. Which means if ministry is service, and service means to serve, it means Jesus is the chief servant. Nobody serves like Jesus. Now, if Jesus is the minister example and Jesus was the chief servant, anybody who is in charge of people and is not a servant is a fraud. Anybody who is in charge of people, especially in the kingdom of God, who is not a servant, let me plug the prefix, who is not an underservant. In the same way, I regard myself as, from the apostolic point of view, of being an under-shepherd because I am not the chief shepherd. Does that make sense? But we're told to shepherd the flock in our care. We don't own them. They're in our care. The owner of the farm. Are you following me now? The owner of the sheep said, look after this few till I come. Doesn't make you the owner, sir. In my church, our ch- which church did you die for? Because only the person that died for the church can say it's his church. And the first time he announced church, he made clear who owned it. I shall build my. <laughs> first time he announced church, Ecclesia, he said, I will build my. It's my church. I'm the one building it. So we are just nothing more than under shepherds. In the same vein, a person who is over people in ministry has to be an under servant. A servant serving under the chief servant. Now, if Jesus has no problem being your servant, you should have no problem being a servant. You see why we're teaching imitate now? Because you see, the average person, especially in a poor, developing country, is walking around looking for somebody to serve them. To inflate your sense of self-worth. Your dream is the day that you not, no, don't want to clean anymore. You can employ a cleaner. You can employ a house girl. You can employ... There's nothing wrong with that except where you are doing that to make yourself feel more important. Are you following me? But Jesus is the chief servant. That means all of us under him, if not servants, are fraudsters. And such abound in the church today. Let's look at his example already. Matthew 20. Say a lot. I'll try and be quick. But I'll also take it in stride. Matthew 20. I will pick the thought from... And, and let's... 25. Let's stick with the TPT. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, Kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects. Kings and those in authority in this world, that secular rulership, rules with oppressively and great authority over their subjects like tyrants. 26. But this is not your calling. Tell your neighbor this is not your calling. 
Can you see that? So, so it baffles me how we miss things that are so plain. This is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others. Because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. I can stop here now and I've preached the message. The greatest honor is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. So if you're puffed up in yourself, you have robbed yourself of eternal honor. If you don't have a posture of service, you have robbed yourself of eternal honor. Because that honor is reserved for those with the heart of a servant. It's a completely different model. We're not doing ministry like Moses. We're not doing ministry like Elijah. Jesus is the pattern. Can we say that together? Jesus is the pattern. And we have to settle there and be comfortable with it. Whatever he didn't do, let's not learn. And then people start to look at you and go, yeah, you are changing, you are being a cult. I will be a cult to obey Jesus. Because people start to categorize you when you are deviating from what the majority of people are doing. And I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm fine. I don't need pulpits to do ministry. I don't need it. I don't need to apply in flyers. You have a whole gallery, a whole album on your phone. It's flyers you have been in. I know what I'm saying. <laughs> Can just show people quickly. See, see how many flyers have appeared in. And unfortunately, the church uses that to rate who to invite. Yeah. Who draw crowd. Who move the people. Now you two don't realize that you've become a recycled product. Some things I, I will not learn. Ever. Call me whatever you want to call me. Some things I will not learn. Because let's look at the pattern. A completely different model. Next verse. I told you it will be, be, be a lot tonight. For even the son of man, that's Jesus, did not come expecting to be served by everyone. But he came to serve everyone and to give his life in exchange for many. That's the pattern. That's the pattern. Don't start looking at people you are called to minister to as the answer to your problem. Will they answer to your problem? Eventually, yes. Eventually. The woman that started paying for the ministry of Jesus in Luke 8, it didn't start from the beginning. <laughs> so it's the heart of a servant. But you don't start off expecting, because you see, it's churches that run as branches of business that give you capital. Because they are expecting return on investment. Take six chairs. Take one speaker. Take keyboard and band sit. You know what I'm saying, right? Take care, take care. Go ahead, start. Who will sustain you for the first six months. After six months, you sustain yourself and send percentage to us. I don't know where the church learns that from. Because I didn't see that in scripture. So sometimes I ask people all the time. I say, where do you expect us to get money from to give you you come I'm hungry every day you come you are hungry where do you expect me to get money from to give you because me too every day I come me too I'm hungry and everybody's able bodied 
Everybody should pull their weight. It's okay to meet your need every now and then, but you cannot show up in a place and you show up and you're the perpetual needy person. You're a thief. And I'm not obligated to feed you every time you come to church. That's not my assignment. I teach you God's word. You grow and apply it and prosper. So where, where, where do you expect me to get money from? I don't collect salary. I mean, see, look at, let me, now let's talk, let's be honest. And I don't say this with any iota of pride or flesh. To have a hundred adults in an evening meeting that wasn't publicized or planned is not a joke. Imagine the offering we can be collecting. Today's day four. Think it. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Then just rest on Saturday. Sunday, sharp, sharp, Monday. Because every time that the word comes, you must sow into it. So the nonsense that hell taught the church. God speaks the word Jesus speaks. To receive Jesus, you must put money. If you don't sow, you cannot activate the word. You have to activate the word. Show you have faith. Money. Now you see us gather people and just teach the word and dismiss them. You see us gather people. But because we are following a pattern, even if we are alone. Because for me, amen, for me, I'm speaking for me. Something standing here in every meeting is the reason why we are gathered here. A basket here or a box in the front of us every time we come to church is the reason why we are gathered. It means everything we are doing is gravitating towards that point where we will serve this God. Everything, the praise, the pitch, the tempo of the music, the, the alacrity of the preaching is just to get us to that key point. That's why it's very important when we choose to collect it. It's very important when we choose to collect it. It's not anyhow. If you collect it too early, you won't have it. If you collect it too late, people have gone. So you have to find the right moment. The right moment. And that's why folks don't like me and it's okay. It's okay. Oh, pastor, how will we run the church? With money. Oh, not with oxygen. If we don't collect money, what will happen to the work? It will die. Nobody's arguing with you. How does we, how does we pay the light bill? With oxygen. Money. How does we pay the rent? With money. Don't scam it. And then you too in church, don't be a criminal that refuses to give. Until you are scammed. Because you're the reason why the church continues to scam you. Because you won't give. See what God will do in seven ways if you give him seven offerings. And then you now like the rhyme. You like it. Psalm 27, you know, give God a, a, an offering that will provoke him. You have to provoke him. God go first provoke before he bless you. What kind of God is that? Provoke. Provoke him with your offering. Provoke him with a dangerous seed. The corrosive offering. But would he not spare his own son? Romans 8.32 but give him up for us all. How much more will he not along with him freely, 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 freely give us all things? Freely. Freely. So how does the work run? Money! 
Our rent is due. What will answer it? Prayer? No. Teaching? No. <laughs> because this need, teaching will not answer it. Money will answer it. But let money come how it is designed to come. Yes, or let it stay away. Any church work that needs you to scam the people to pay the needs of God was not called by God. God called you. You now need to scam people to help God pay his bills. Shut it down. Open a shop. Do you understand? Shut it down. Open a shop. Do an entrepreneurship course. Get an investor. Because it's not God's work, sir. If he needs you to scam the people in order to sustain it. That's what I've always told you. I'm not under pressure. I'm not pressure. So where do you expect me to get money from to feed you every day? Because I'm not getting money from anywhere. We're not creeping offering. <laughs> you know what I mean? That you can say, okay, at the end of every service, we know that by the time we collect offering, like this, at least, last, last, 5K, 10K, you know, regular offering. Then the irregular one, you know, the one that you sow into the word. Make sense? Uh-huh. The seed faith offering. By the time you collect the regular, irregular, normal, abnormal, dangerous one, corrosive one. By the time you combine it, join it, amalgamate it, it will amount to something. Now, we're not doing that. So, where do you expect, when you, when you have certain expectations, where do you think you should come from? That's why you need to have compassion and empathy. Because that's what will make you think, how is this work being sustained? Because everybody is a servant. You are coming to serve, not to be served. That's the pattern we have received. So I told them, I said, don't start off that. That's a dangerous precedent. You will spoil your training. And I was speaking to a pastor a few days ago. I think it was on a Sunday. And I said to him, which shepherd opens or let me use one that's common around here. Who starts a poultry for broilers and then the first day you enter there to carry seeds to go and cook? Once you feel like stew, I have chickens. There are days where you will want to eat chicken. You will drive, enter taxi, go to the market, buy chicken. Dress the chicken is smaller and leaner than the one you are rearing. But you know, I have to invest more in this thing until it gets to that point. Sheep provide wool. No sheep is born ready to supply wool. When that sheep is born as a lamb, this, the covering of the lamb is fine and smooth. Does that make sense? So it takes a while for the sheep to get to the point where the wool can be shared. S-H-E-A-R-E-D. So you see where they can share, take off the wool from the sheep and then it grows again. The shepherd doesn't arrive with sheep and expect the sheep to supply wool on day one. So where are you getting that information from? Because ministry is service. Are you hearing me? And we learned that from the chief servant. No. Start looking at people and when you see a sea of heads, you're like, ah, this is a good time to take an offering. That's carnality. That's carnality. So you might be unpopular, but some of us are dead set 
on imitating the pattern. Luke 22. Is this helping anybody? Luke 22. From 24. Now there was also a dispute among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. Mm -hmm. And he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles, that's the same thought in Matthew, right? The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those who exercise authority over them are called those that benefit from them. 26. But not so among you. On the contrary, he who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger. Is it not he who sits at the table? Yeah, Jesus is reasoning with them on a natural level. But he says, yet I am among you. About to 25 in the TPT and started again. Jesus interrupted the argument saying, the kings and men of authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects, claiming that they do it for the good of the people. So it didn't start today. They are obsessed with how others see them. But this is not your calling. Tell your neighbor, this is not your calling. And see that line again. You will lead by a different model. The greatest one among you will live as one called to serve others without honor. In other words, you don't serve because of what's in it for you. The greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one who has a servant heart. 27. The leaders who are served are the most important in your eyes. But in the kingdom, it is the servants who lead. <laughs> Am I not here with you as one who serves you? The pattern is very clear. A couple of years ago, we had a wedding in this church marriage two people from this house got married we dressed up for the wedding service wedding service closed showed up at reception ordinarily you will expect the senior pastor of both the bride and groom to sit at the high table no sir we left the wedding service branch office changed to jeans sneakers and shirt arrived Serving water, drinks, Zobo, doing sound, running the DJ that I brought, doing bouncer, packing and loading souvenir, clearing up, making sure people left that venue. I was the last person to leave that reception venue. Cars took people out over and over. All our folks left. They were looking for the pastor. I don't think they found him. But you'll expect the way that church has been structured. Expect that you should be on the high table. Sat down nicely dressed. Only you, one you, wine, drink, malt, juice, water. But that's not the pattern I saw. And I refuse to see anything else. I refuse. That's not the pattern I saw. That's not the pattern I saw. We serve. Few years, maybe two years ago, one of my worship leaders in this church was invited as a guest artist, a guest minister in a program in Uyo. Say, oh, we who we we have bass, guitar, we have drummer, we don't have keyboards. I say, who am I? What am I? 
And I went as keyboardist and MD. My church member, I went as her keyboardist. We got there. The senior pastor of the church was confused when he saw me. He was totally besides himself. Didn't know what to do with me. The guy called me to the front. He said, ah, we have pa Pastor Alexander Victor among us. Maybe he will say something tomorrow or do something. I was just laughing. I came as a piano player. And I was happy to play my piano and go. So because I am senior pastor, I will send my own picking without keyboard is Pastor Pav, you know. The Lord go the Lord go with you and prosper you. The Lord make his piano to shine upon you. And I will do it again in a heartbeat. Again. I've to, I told her, I said, no, if you are going, I will go with you. What was the big deal? Does it reduce my grace? There's need, and I feel like I have outgrown the need. I will never grow that big. I will never grow that big. Because that's not the pattern we are imitating. Yes, Philippians 2, verse 7. Is anybody getting instructed? Yes, Philippians 2, 7. Start from verse 5. The thought starts in verse 5. Actually, let this mind be in you, Joseph Christ Jesus. Just stay in the TPT until I tell you otherwise. Consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, set before us. Let his mindset become your motivation. 6. He existed in the form of God, yet he gave no thought to seizing equality with God as his supreme prize. Instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. He became human. Let his mindset become your motivation. So he's the ultimate ministry example. I, I put down here that it is only an ignorant or unregenerate mind that thinks of service as something that is condescending. In other words, you think, you know, why should I do this? Why? Let me, let me use a practical example. Why should I, the man, carry my plate when I eat? Why should I, your boss, say thank you because you brought me water? What am I paying you for? As if in your, in your job description, they added, thou shalt bring me water every time I have need of it. It's only an unregenerate or ignorant mind that thinks of service as being condescending. Why? Because at the heart of service is love. At the heart of service is love. Love is at the heart of service. So love takes over something that ego cannot sponsor. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your flesh will go, I'm tired. Now me preach. But love pushes you beyond the remit of your flesh. And you do something because love compels you. So at the heart of service is what? Love. Did you get it? True service is born out of love for people and preference over themselves at your expense. You will serve someone just because you love them. Because you love them. Because you love them. You will do things for love's sake. Not for convenience sake. You're not any less a man because you held the door open. That's why I've always said in this house, you have to retire your citizenship to be a son of God. You see people fighting at a queue 
as if the ATM is giving you the pin to eternal life. Are you afraid somebody will come in and then pretend like he's, he doesn't want to make the inquiry. He just wants to ask something. Say, I just want to ask something and they will now beat everybody who is sitting because everybody who is sitting is stupid. I just want to ask, did we come here to gist? We came to ask too. It's not a social visit. We didn't come for an excursion. Hello? Everybody that is sitting came to ask something. Say, no, 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 I didn't. I don't want, I don't want anything. I just want to ask. See, all of us now, as we follow, can ask. <laughs> so the joy in discomfiting the people. Somebody overtakes you, then what? Everybody's going differently. So if you are strolling, allow the road for somebody who is in a hurry to pass. Yeah. But service is only when you are unregenerate that you think somebody has taken something out of you by the service you rendered. My younger sister would disrespect me. You don't have any honor already. You don't have any honor. Because it's love that sponsors service. Takes you into a terrain that your ego cannot handle. And this is what the church needs to learn. So we are praying and gathering and praying and gathering and praying. And nothing is changing in society. Because we have Christians and there's no manifestation of sons. Everybody's religious. Nobody's spiritual. Nobody's spiritual. Nobody's convinced that this thing I'm learning is for application. Nobody. So we're making noise. Cacophony of noise on Sunday. All kinds and shapes and sizes. 40 days prayer. Your street is no different. 90 days fasting. Attitudes are not changing in church. We must look to the pattern. Are you here? Serving is strength and not weakness. Can we all say that together? Yes. Let me say it one more time. Seven. Strength. Yeah. Strength. Strength. You're not weak because you serve. If, you're, if you equate service to weakness, then Jesus was the weaker. But if Jesus was the chief servant, he is the chief servant, then serving has to be strength, not weakness. Serving is grace and not a chore. Serving is grace and not a chore. C-H-O-R-E. Not a task. Serving is a delight and not a pain. Are you here? It is a virtue and not a bother. Serving is strength and not weakness. It is grace and not a chore. It is a delight and not pain. It is a virtue and not a bother. Because serving is of love, right? Are you here? Can I proceed? So I said earlier, minister is one who serves gracefully, right? The question now is the minister is one who serves what gracefully? Because the ministry is service, and that service is done by grace, and it is propelled by love. What is the object of the service? A minister is one who serves gracefully. What is it that the minister serves gracefully? And this might be the revolutionary thought for somebody who is listening to me tonight. The answer to this question. And the simple answer is the gospel. Preached and taught along with its attendant expressions. 
that service. The gospel preached and taught along with its attendant expressions. Make sense? What are you serving gracefully in? The preaching and teaching of the gospel plus the expressions that follow. <laughs> Did you get it? That is what qualifies to be known as a ministry. In other words, everything that church can be doing, if it's not geared towards the preaching and teaching of the gospel and the attendant expressions, is not ministry. So there's many people that are doing Christian work that are not in ministry. Because you cannot call it ministry until its end is the gospel. That people are gathered in a place and it's a mega church doesn't qualify it to be ministry. That we have edifices and buildings we can call sanctuaries and temples, sadly. Doesn't make it to be ministry. What qualifies it to be ministry, diaconia service, is that it is propagating the gospel. In other words, ministry equals Christ on display. So one who has not seen Jesus cannot be doing ministry, even if they are busy in church. Religious Christianity will not like what I'm saying. But by the very definition of ministry, serving. Serving what? The gospel. <laughs> so in the absence of the gospel in view, nothing we do amounts to service. It, we're just busy doing nothing. You cannot be chasing stuff around when it's not Christ revealed in view. When it's not Christ crucified in view. Everything you're doing must not of religion. Do you understand? Not of Christianity. Not of Christianity. Christianity and Islam are the same. <laughs> Do you hear what I just said? <laughs> There is no difference between Christianity and Islam. Between Christianity and Buddhism. Christianity and Hinduism. Christianity and Confucianism. Christianity and Sikhism. Christianity and Aramism. Christianity and Rastafarianism. No difference. They are all man-made systems in a futile attempt to explain something greater than themselves. Don't put God. All of them. Futile, failed attempts to explain something other than themselves. We know something exists beyond us. We are just trying to navigate and let's see how many systems we can put in place to see if by chance we might lay hold of something that we know exists and we don't know what it is. That's what fuels new age mysticism. That's what fuels mysticism. So there's a difference between Christianity and the Christ walk. There is. One is God ordained. The other is man-made. Yes. That's so why we can sit down and decide which one should we do, which one should we not do. Because we invented it. <laughs> Let's sit in Lysine once. Let's come again. 
Let's meet in Alexandria. Let's come again. Let's meet in Chalcedon. Let's come again. Let's remix this. This is not working. So let's update the creed. Let's change the creed. Let's, let's dress this way. Let's not dress that way. That's a system that man made. That's why you can sit down with that conscience and remix it. Argue on, upon it. When you finish, then the synod will now vote. 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 Vote for theocracy, not democracy. All for changing this, this particular way, say I. All for sticking to this other way, say I. We now include politics into the kingdom. Into the kingdom. That's what has confused and bastardized the body. So now people feel like their job is to make sure that people of every denomination agree. Eh, eh, where there is doctrinal divergence, there can be no unity. There can be no unity. No, it's okay. You can wear you can wear hair. You can move your hair. You can hair. No problem. I don't have a problem with you as long as we all agree on the finished work. But we cannot be brethren when we came from different wombs. Adelphos, brethren, means of the same womb, Delphos. If you came from somewhere else and I'm coming from somewhere else, how can we be brethren? But we can be brethren that dress differently. It's fine. We can be brethren that meet at different times of the week. It's fine. Are you following me? Yeah, it's fine. We can be brethren that have different styles of music. No problem. But we cannot be brethren that disagree on the particulars of the message. We can't be brethren. You stop a vehicle, you look at the particulars. This one says it's a Renault Vectra. The other man says no, he be like Volkswagen B2. The other policeman says no, he be like saying now, now 206. You, you are in trouble already. Because the policemen who are supposed to inspect your particulars cannot agree on the particulars. Do you get the picture? We can't agree on your particulars. So where is the agreement when there's doctrinal divergence? It can't be. So there's a, there's a difference between man organized and sometimes they can look the same until you operate with the eyes of the spirit. Until you engage with the eyes of the spirit, they can look alike. They can sing and we can sing. And you might think it's the same. Until you consider the particulars of how we are singing. <laughs> They can pray and we can pray until you look at the particulars of what we're praying. And that's where some of the reformers miss it because they feel like if you have seen light, church should shut down. No, church should strengthen by light. The real church should emerge from the confusion because he promised to build a church. Let's look for his church and not shut down the concept of church. Let his church emerge. I'm not afraid of church. I'm a church boy. My elder brother planted a church. I can't be afraid of it. <laughs> if he was so threatened by the concept of church, he would not have started to build one. So I limit my revelation to what Jesus did and saw. I don't want to know more than Jesus. I refuse. So it makes me different. That's why I don't like to label myself. Reformer, New Age Testament preacher, a new creation reality. and I am just a preacher of the gospel. Because ministry is service. Serving what? The gospel. 
So you cannot be in ministry and not know the gospel. Are you here? <laughs> cannot. Having said that, let me make a controversial statement, which for some of you might make sense now when I say it. We do not serve church. <laughs> we do not serve church. We serve the gospel as necessary in church. What are we serving? The gospel. Who are we serving? The gospel. In the world, in the church, in the bank, in the school, in the hospital, our servitude is to the gospel. The gospel is our master. Where? The gospel is our master there. The gospel is our master here. Where is not our master. There is not our master. Here is not our master. The gospel is our master. Here, there, where, anywhere. You see, this is what believers and Christians alike do not understand that Islam has mastered. Are you hearing me? There's no, in, in the manner of speaking technically, there's no such thing as an Islamic professor. There's a Muslim who is a professor. For the Muslim, being a Muslim comes before being a doctor. Are you hearing me? A Muslim can be with you for 20 years and you are fine. You will eat salad rice, eat Christmas rice. Until the day they tell him in that prayer, he will kill you. I will not think twice about it. Because he is a Muslim before he's your neighbor. Ah, why would they suddenly switch? Because they are Muslim first. Before they are nice. Their allegiance is to Allah, Muhammad, his prophet, the Quran and the Hadith. Full stop. So the moment a demand is placed on them according to what their reality is, it doesn't matter who you are. That's why the Muslim will not leave his business open when it's time for Jumat prayers on Friday. Because he is a Muslim before he's a businessman. And so Christians can sit down there and clap your hands all you want. Pray all you want. Dance all you want. Steal money all you want. A Muslim will still rule you. Because when he enters office, one thing is on his mind. The will of Allah. Nigeria is not ready. We keep saying, we keep making, we're not ready. I said it on Facebook. You're not ready. You're not ready. Because the one, he's dogged, he's one-dimensional in his processing. The will of Allah. Inshallah. And nothing gets in his way. Nothing. And that was the prophecy God gave for the church. You gave it up for Christianity. You gave it up for Kuriakos. You gave it up for clapping and dancing and collecting offering and making noise. And I've told you over and over, there are two class of people in the earth. Those that know and those that serve those that know. That's what it is. Their service is one dimensional to their message. 
They kill their animals according to their message. They wash their animals according to their message. They wee and poo according to their message. They dress according to their message. They settle arguments according to their message. It will not take another to a secular court. Even before the Sharia courts, the Al-Kali or the Sheikh or the Imam is the absolute authority in any arbitration. Your pastor will sit you down. You will still, who is your pastor to, re- to correct you? Who is your pastor to tell you what to do? So they will rule you. Because you haven't mastered the rules of engagement. Their service is to Allah. The message. Jihad, we are going for it. Jumat, we are going for it. Hajj, we are going for it. No questions asked. You have more knowledge of the gospel than the average Muslim has of what they believe. You are just too... The Muslim crams the Quran. He can regurgitate it from left, right and center. The, the, the Muslim doesn't study the Quran. He crams it and knows it. And knows which one is relevant to which place. Now you know Greek. Now you know Hebrew. You know lexicon. You know Latin. You know English. You, that's the problem. You're too exposed to follow Jesus. You're too much in light to be led aright. But those guys are blind enough to be okay to be foolish and primitive in the face of what they believe. It's not because they are not learned. No matter how enlightened I am, no matter how much I've grown, no matter how much I've amassed, my ancestors were nomads. So in keeping to my ancestral roots, I continue the practice. That's discipleship. I continue the practice without questions. We're the ones asking questions. That's why I said over and over that the word of God was not given for you to first understand. Are you getting it now? The word of God was given to you to first believe. Understanding comes along you having believed. You don't understand to believe. You believe to understand. So that's why we have missed it. Our service is not to church. Our service is to the message. Are you hearing me? Our service should be to the message. The gospel should dictate how we do church. Not us doing church to dictate how we preach the message. Our service is to the message. To the gospel. Where necessary in church. I don't think I'll finish this today. Are you guys following though? Where our service is to the gospel. Where? We don't serve church. We don't serve pastor. We serve the gospel in pastor. So not every pastor is qualified to be served, sir. (laughs) Not every pastor is qualified to receive service. It is the pastor that labors in sound doctrine, i.e. the gospel. Who taught us the New Testament pattern for honoring pastors doubly? Paul, not law, not law. The law didn't say anything about double honor for pastors. You know when you want to use Moses, you know when you want to use law, then you don't say, come and use grace. Shut up. 
double honor. Who taught double honor? The same message of grace you are fighting. Same message of grace you're telling. He that serves at the altar shall eat of your. Who explained it? Paul. Those are labor over you are worthy of double honor. If we minister to you, told the Corinthian church, it's such a trouble if we reap of you of, 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 of material things. That's what he said. Honor those that have rule over you as they that will give account of you that they do so with joy and with grief for that is not profitable for you. Hebrews 13. So you are discrediting Paul's message but you are amassing Paul's benefit. Barao. So no, double honor is not for every pastor. Anybody can get up and pastorize themselves. The gospel. Paul did not claim to be everybody's father. Paul claimed to be their father in the gospel. For through Christ Jesus, I labored over you, I birthed you in the gospel. It wasn't a blanket statement. Are you guys getting what I'm teaching? In Christ Jesus, did I birth you through the gospel. So what qualified Paul to reap honor from the church? The gospel. Not pulpit. Not ordination. Coronation. Installation. Because it's the church. It's only the church that installs people to office. Installing you. So no, we don't serve the pastor. That's why, especially in Africa, we have put a special pedestal for pastors. Pastors are more powerful in certain circles than arm robbers with a gun. I will curse you. I will lay a curse over you. Are you mad? When he became the curse, took it away. Redeemed me from the curse. And a curse cannot exist in the absence of the law. I've taught you guys this in the great exchange. If you remove the law, there can be no cause. So where are you cursing me from? From the same fountain, blessing and cursing come. So when people curse, I laugh. They, because they themselves are confused. I will curse you. How? Where? You have just proved you are a phony. You have just proved you are a fake. I will curse you in whose name? Because the word I've taught you for name is the word onoma. Which means the identity of. The authority of. So when you say, I curse you in the authority of Jesus. Can you hear how stupid that sounds? I curse you as backed by the identity and authority of Christ Jesus. Who loved us and died for us all. In his authority, you will not prosper. That's why you must receive light, guys. I just laugh. Don't curse me. In the authority of Jesus. Who is not condemning the world? Who became the curse? <laughs> you lie. <laughs> you lie. Oh, I reversed the cause. No, there's no cause for you to reverse. <laughs> I reverse it. No, you reverse reversing it acknowledges it exists. And then you are trying to deflect its influence. No, no, there's no cause to reverse. As a fleeting sparrow, so a curse without cause cannot alight. That's what scripture says. It cannot drop. It can't drop. You're talking reverse. Reverse what? It does not exist. Is anybody receiving this instruction? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. 
So our allegiance in ministry is to the message. Yes, sir. We don't serve pastors. And it's a pastor that is telling you. We serve the gospel as it appears in pastors. You serve the light you see in me of Christ, not of Christianity. Put something in my hand. Put something in my hand and see what God will do. Put something in my hand that your hand is carrying what? Touch my feet with it. Touch my feet. Lay it at my, at my feet. Things Jesus never did. Things Jesus never did. You are wanting to touch Papa's feet. Jesus was washing people's feet. I keep saying there are some things I don't want to learn. I don't want to learn. Jesus even goes as far as making a provocative statement in John 13. He says, if I don't wash your feet, if I don't serve you, you have no part in me. In other words, you cannot enter this kingdom by thinking you can be the one to serve me. The only doing that will bring you in is the doing I will do. You can't do your way into this. You can't serve your way into this. You spoil it. You have no part in me. It's not what you will do for me. It's not honor you will give me that will bring you in. No, it's honor that me, I came to show you that will bring you in. It's the serving I came to serve you. The work I came to work for you is what will bring you in. Not what you think you can do for me. No, 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 nothing like that. Jesus said, no, no, no. Your works will not cut it here. You have no part in me. I have to serve you. I have to do this work for you and finish it. For you to get a part in me. It's my work that will give you a part in me. Not yours. Are you here? Lastly, we don't serve the people. The same thing applies. We don't serve the people. We serve the gospel in people. Because people will always give you a reason to conclude they are not worthy of your service. Somebody will always give you a reason to feel, why should I do this for you? You have not earned it. That's why there's a difference between respect and honor. Honor is given. And in the kingdom, the larger language is honor. <laughs> not respect you do something you excel in that thing you, you earn my respect but because of who you are you have unreservedly my honor so the kingdom is large on honor is anybody receiving instruction yes. so can we say we serve the gospel, we serve the gospel. say again we serve the, we serve the gospel that should be your creed as a believer I serve the gospel Every aspect of my life, every aspect in my eating, in my drinking, in my sleeping, in my relationships, in my business, in my academia, in my vocational pursuits, in my relationship processing, in my mental capacities, I serve the cause of Christ. I serve the gospel. I serve the gospel. I enthrone the gospel louder and higher than everything else in my life. The gospel determines my life. That's ministry. That's the ministry we have inherited. <laughs> I don't have time to finish it today. That's the ministry I've inherited. The selfless ministry of championing the gospel at the expense of self. You don't matter, not to you. 
if you are doing ministry properly, the mattering of you is, should be left to somebody else. Did you hear what I said? If you are doing ministry properly, you shouldn't be the one to matter to you. No, it's not possible. You should be so engrossed in ministry that it should be somebody else to whom you now matter. You shouldn't be doing ministry and thinking of how to feed yourself. You should be doing ministry to the point where somebody else in honor is thinking of how to feed you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't be doing ministry and thinking of your belly. No, you think of the gospel. And then the gospel plants somebody to think of you. You can't be working for God and trying to pay yourself. Are you hearing what I just said? Yeah. You are working for God. You are, you are the one trying to raise pay sleep. <laughs> trying to manipulate the payroll and pay yourself. Then it means you are working for yourself. But you are so caught up in the gospel that the care of your affairs becomes the burden of another son. Are you hearing me? Another son of God now takes responsibility for you. He says, you want to go here? I got that. You want to drive this? I'll buy that car. You, you, you need your house rent paid? I'll pay that rent. You need, you need a phone? Leave that to me. It's not you manipulating to get it. Thereby discoloring your message. No. You get lost in the gospel. And he puts somebody to now care for you. The care that you have given out to the saints. That's when you truly enter the joy of ministry. But if you think of ministry as what will pay your electricity bill for tomorrow, you're in trouble. <sighs> we never chop today. Just wait. At least last, last, midway service we will, we will take offering. Last, last, 1K. 2K. Good day, we will chop. Shut the church down. Build a cage outside. Start a business. And leave the church. Because church is service. Service is to the gospel. Service to the gospel doesn't count the pay to you. Somebody else now takes responsibility for you. And me standing before you, that is my life story. That's my life story. That's why we can do ministry and not think about numbers. How many people come to church? How many people? Because most times when we think of numbers, the head is calculated to how much money they will give. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So we can do ministry and not bother about numbers. Who comes, who goes? That's not my problem. Who gives, who doesn't give? <laughs> That's not my problem. God is faithful to his word. He's faithful to his word, not to men. So if I plant his word in me, sir, God is faithful to his word in me. <laughs> Are you hearing me? He's not faithful to men. He's faithful to his word. Now if, that, if I am that word now made flesh, I enjoy the attention of God. Because he can't look at his word and pass. So that's why sons of God don't cry, pass me not, O gentle Savior. He cannot pass. If he's not entering through here, he's not going anywhere. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why, Lord, that's that we're calling. Where, where, where are you calling to pray? Where? Where you pray? Do not pass me by. Hear my humble cry. That's a cry of pride. 
and ignorance. No, it's not humility. Somebody I am carrying, telling to not pass me by. How can somebody I'm carrying pass me by? It was Moses that prayed that prayer. And God told him, I'm hiding the cleft of a rock. Because what you are asking for, you cannot see it until Jesus comes. Jesus is the one that will give explanation to my face. Jesus is the one in whom my face will be seen. You cannot be asking to see my face, Moses. So I will show you my back. I will hide you. And I will pass by you. Until the people come who can see my face. Exodus 33, 34. And we are the people beholding him and becoming. God who caused light to shine in darkness, 2 Corinthians 4, 6, has caused light to shine in our hearts to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. Run the whole verse for the emergency. Has caused, let brilliant light shine out of darkness. Is the one who has cascaded his light into us. The brilliant dawning light of the glorious knowledge of God as we gaze into the face of Jesus Christ. No, he's not passing me by. Why is he passing me by to go? When now in the earth, if I don't move, Jesus is not going anywhere. Because I am the body of Christ. He operated in the earth in a body and said, you know what? Emmanuel is not the ultimate. God with us is not the intention. But if I don't go now, it's not profitable for you. Because there's a limit to how much we can do business. So I have to go and leave this body. That's what he said to his disciples. I will send you another comforter. Or in other words, Alos Parakletos is another of the same kind. Another comforter. Alos Parakletos. Another of the same kind. So Jesus did not go and send you somebody else. Jesus left and came back in another form. That's the meaning of Alos Parakletos, another of the same kind, another of the same substance. So if I don't go, you will suffer because anything you need to do now, I need to go with you. With and with, we cannot do much. Because I can't be everywhere. So, 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 let me wait for me. I will go and I will come. In another form. So he goes and comes back as the form that can now inhabit you. He left his body, entered to use your body. So now he is Christ in you. So Jesus did not need to stay on the earth to go to Calabar. He just needed to return to the Father in that glorified body and send what makes him him. Jesus stares up this body. This body takes him to Calabar. We move. Do you understand it now? So that's why Paul tells the Corinthian church, therefore glorify God in your body. Because your body now is what is transporting Jesus. So we don't stop sinning to make heaven. We stop sinning in honor of the content of our body. Do you understand? In honor of the content, if we call you in the morning and say, James, you are going with the pilot to pick up um, Joseph Prince from the airport. The first thing that will come to your mind is, let's watch that car. Even if you watched the car yesterday. Let's watch that car. 
Let's change the footman in an eminent personality. We are not washing the car to qualify us to receive Joseph Prince. I like to teach him pictures. Joseph Prince did not agree to come because our car is clean and is washed. But because we know what you are going to carry, you clean up. So now he has entered you. You now know you are carrying him. You will keep it clean. You cannot carry him and join him to a prostitute. That's what Paul was telling the Corinthian church. Not because he lives, but because he's in you. Have sense. You now carry Joseph Prince from the airport. You now remember the water that you need to put in his hotel. He didn't buy it. He says, let's branch spa. Let's branch spa. And then the bouquet of flowers. We were also going to branch YM bridals and collect it, sir. No. You give honor to what is carrying a cherished vessel. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. The next verse actually, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Is anybody receiving instructions in it? That's ministry. Our allegiance is to the message. The gospel until we live according to the value of what we are carrying. We don't live to qualify to carry it. He walked. He served. We collected it. We carry. Our allegiance is to the gospel. Our ministry is to the gospel. And they begin to understand the rest of the uses of the word ministry about 44 times in the New Testament and what it means. Ministry of light. Ministry of life. Ministry of reconciliation. The apostles received the same thing. Acts chapter 6, you see where the, the church began to grow and then the Hellenistic Jews, Hellenists in the New Testament era, in the early church era, Hellenists were Jews who converted to Judaism. Okay? And proselytes were Jews who became Gentiles or who abdicated the law. Jews who got tired of the law of Moses. Who decided they didn't want to live according to Judaism anymore. They became proselytes. Right? And Hellenists were Gentiles or Greeks who embraced Jewish custom. Does that make sense? So in Acts 6, you see where there are Jewish widows, there's um, indigenous Jewish widows, and then there's Hellenistic widows, which is the widows of the Greeks who turned to Jewish or turned to Judaism. And there was a disparity in the feeding of the widows daily. That means the church used to feed people daily. That means there was plenty money. People were selling stuff. Each one brought what they had. No one considered what he had as his. And so the apostles, Peter and the apostles now go, um, it's, not, it's not meat for us to seize. The word used there in the, in the Greek is for us to seize ministering the word in order to continue ministering tables. So the nomenclature suggests that in the early church, the apostles were the ones serving the food to the widows. Does that make sense? How does this, but it's not advantageable. First, the early church started with the apostles both waiting on tables and teaching the word. Can you see my instruction to you now? The early church started with these guys because who else? It was just these guys. The 120. The 12. The 70. The 120. And then the harvest began to come in. Just guys. They were teaching the word and serving the food. That's the pattern. 
Somebody say, that's the pattern. That's the pattern. I will stand on my feet and teach for 12 hours. When it's time for food, I will tie the apron and serve them. And some people are afraid to collect the food. I know what I'm saying. Because it's coming from somebody who has just fed us food all day. We served people. Not because we lorded it over people. We served people. That's ministry. So even, even though we haven't finished the teaching, man, have you been equipped with enough? Enough to totally rebrand your understanding of ministry, your understanding of service. You see, we cannot do that. We cannot do this and serve tables. We cannot, we cannot be serving tables and because the work is growing. So choose you among you. People filled with the Holy Ghost. Man. People filled with the Holy Ghost to serve food. We want you to carefully select from among yourselves seven godly men. Make sure they are honorable, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And we will give them the responsibility of this crucial ministry of serving food. That's why I've told you over and over, I look at church and how I know the health of a church is how she responds to food. Nothing brings out the true color of a human being like what to eat. Nothing. Nothing. Especially in these parts of the world. And while we in church have now made ushers, stewards, the his pastor's protocol, you know, Amatas, Amobiara, Elder and Deacon. And those are among superior people in the church. The early church wanted people to serve food, Solomon, and they looked for the Holy Ghost. They looked for wisdom in somebody that will serve porridge. They said, choose seven men, honorable, full of the Holy Ghost. Let them serve. Because ministry is everything. Don't give it to charlatans. You will make people who serve food and people that eat the food, their tummy will run. But the pattern we see there is that these guys started off serving the word and serving the food. Until the work necessitated a transition out of food serving to men who had the Holy Ghost. Now, if your eyes are inclined to what God is doing in this house, you will see the pattern we are following. That there was stuff I did and did and did until the work necessitates other men full of the same spirit. You're supposed to be hand down, downward dispensing unit of the message. You are a DDD. You are a downward dispensing device of what you receive. That's the, that's the pattern we're following. It wasn't demeaning to serve. It was honorable to serve. It was the Holy Ghost that sponsored the service. It was wisdom that informed the service. The Holy Spirit is the minister of service. He is. And so we serve by that same spirit. And then joy begins to come up in you when you serve. It's beautiful because you are serving nothing but the gospel. When necessary, in the toilet. Nothing but the gospel where necessary in the kitchen. Nothing but the gospel where necessary by projection. 
nothing but the gospel where necessary by marriage. Because marriage is a showcase of the gospel. I've taught you. In your business, working circumspectly because your allegiance is to the gospel. That's what it means to be a minister of the gospel. Not somebody that wears suit and climbs podium. Do you understand? I'm a minister of the gospel. Most people that say that don't know what the gospel is. But this is what it means to be a minister of the gospel. I imitate the ministry of Jesus. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and we hope it has been a blessing to you. For inquiries and further information, please send us an email to info at the or visit our social media platforms.